You know, I saw a, a thing, um, I guess probably on Facebook or, or Twitter, one of the two, that said, uh, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He's calling you regardless of what you're currently producing. He's calling you. He's giving you a vision. Look, he gave you a future and a hope before you were even in the earth to do anything. He didn't wait to see what kind of gifts and abilities you have and say, all right, what are you good at? What can you influence? What Can you sing? All right, then we can work with that. Can, are you good with your hands? We can work with that. Are you got, you got good business skills? You're good with money and finance? We can work. No. He called you, he gave you a future, and he gave you a hope before you ever proved to be anything to him. When did he tell Abraham he's going to be a father of many nations? At the age of 75, when he was barren, him and his wife both have never produced a child and don't even have the ability to and are beyond the age to. And that's when he says, oh, by the way, why didn't he tell him you're going to be a father of many nations when he was 18? Or 20. Or 25. You know, when all of his friends around him. You know, you're thinking at 75, God, you could have clued me in on this. You know, you could have saved me some work here. But no, God is speaking to his future, not his past. God doesn't look at your life and then determine what you're going to do. He determines what you're going to do and then creates you. For I know confidently, with assurance, the thoughts that I have towards you says the Lord. Thoughts of a future and a hope. Thoughts of good, not of evil. Thoughts of peace. He's got thoughts towards us. Amen? Now, some people think that God only thinks terrible things about them. Some people think that, man, if, when God's thinking about me, he's thinking about all the junk I've done. He's thinking about the mess I've made. He's thinking about this terrible past. And he doesn't say that. He says, for I know the thoughts, thoughts of peace, not of evil. Go over to Hebrews chapter 12. Actually, let me, let me skip one. Let me go to Philippians. Because this is God speaking. This is God speaking in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Amen. But go over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 6. And this is another one that uh, you may be familiar with. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work, begun a good work. See, sometimes we think, okay, yeah, sure, God's got this thing started, but I, I've messed it all up. I, I've, I've jacked this thing up. This, it could, it could, there's no possible way anything good could come out of my life. There's no possible way that God still has a vision. I messed up God's vision. I mean, he had this great thing in store because he has begun a good work. But what does the rest of the verse say? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of you are thankful that God can finish what he started? How many of you are thankful that he can complete what he has begun? God didn't just start something. How many times do you and I do that? See, God had to put this verse in here because he knows us. We've begun all kinds of good stuff, right? We began relationships. We began uh, 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 jobs. We began uh, doing things 
that we had good intentions with, and it was good to start, and then we messed it all up. And what do we do? We quit, right? That's what we do. In human nature, we say, forget this, scrap it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do something different. That's the easier thing to do. You know, there's plenty of things. There's plenty of times that I've done stuff. You know, you, you, you see new construction here. There's been plenty of things that we've started and it's been like, oh, man, we messed it up. This isn't going to be good. I mean, I, I remember uh, down in at the other building, for those of you that remember the Gordon Street location, we had these classrooms all set up, very nice classrooms. And, um, you know, my pastor, and, and I don't have any problem with this being recorded. He can hear it, and that's all right. He won't get offended. But my pastor loves to save a buck. My pastor loves to whatever we can do to do it at, at, at the lowest cost, you know, let's get it done. So he had this bright idea. Let's just tear down the walls in the other location and move them over here. I mean, we got to build classrooms here, right? It's sheetrock. How much is that going to cost? That's lumber. How much is that going to cost? And so he had this great idea. And Pastor Caleb, he's not in here. Uh, myself, Pastor Caleb, and most of you know Matt Hunt. Uh, he came up for this project of cutting down the walls into sizes that would fit through our double doors. We had double doors just like that that went out of the building. And we knew we had double doors here. We could get them back in. So we cut them down to that size. Super heavy. Uh, you know, there were several times where, like, was about to get crushed by walls that are coming down, and we're trying to hold them up. And and then we had to borrow, you know, 50 trucks from Brent and Tommy Biles and just getting all these trucks and pulling all these trailers across town with walls that are already built on them. And we put them in the storage unit. This is how we came to meet Miss Shannon. She would have never even heard about us if we didn't take, take those walls down. Well, I know why we took the walls down now. We got them over to the storage unit because we didn't have this building yet. So we were in limbo. We had to put them somewhere. So we got a big old storage unit. I went in there that morning and as soon as they opened up. And then I remember I went back that afternoon to bring everything. And she said, I've already listened to two of your messages and one of Pastor Earl's. I'm like, what? what you, it's only been three hours. You've literally just, that was awesome. It was a great day. So anyway, so we get the walls over here. And then we decide, all right, let's put them up. And so myself and another guy, I don't know, you probably haven't met him. His name's Brian. He's another guy that helps us with construction. And, uh, you know, we begun a good work. We're saving some money. And we pull in the first wall, and we put it up against that wall, and it, it's out and then in and out. It's like, that's going to be a problem. Um, what are we going to do now? The walls don't match up. And we have come to find out over the numerous construction projects we have done in this place. I don't know who built this, and I don't know how quickly they put it together, but things just are not square in this place. They just aren't. And so we're like, great. We, we just took down all those walls, brought them all the way over here. What are we going to do? And today, next door, there is one wall that we salvaged from that whole thing. We've begun a good work. But I remember it was like, 10 o'clock in the morning, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and we had Derek and Aaron and Damien and a couple other guys that had just started coming to the, like, two weeks into coming to the church, and we said, hey, we need to help you, we need your help getting these walls moved and putting them up, and we ended up scrapping the whole thing, 
I looked at Brian and said, how much is it going to cost to just go get some lumber and put this thing together? And we had, it, we had the entire wall put together without sheetrock, the entire wall put together in like two hours. Went to Home Depot, spent 400 bucks, got the lumber. I mean, in my mind, that's how I work. My pastor loves to bring these projects in, and, and we did it once in St. Augustine, but it was in the same building. Going between two different buildings, well, man, we've begun some things, but there's a time where, forget it, scrap it, let's start over. But God doesn't do that. That whole story is to say this, that God doesn't start over. God has a purpose for your life. He has a vision for your life, and he who has begun a good work. And remember, he started it, not you. Many times we want to start to take credit. Look what I did. Look at, look at all the Bible reading I've done. Look at all the prayer. Look at the church services that I go to. Look at uh, how I serve. Look at all the different areas I'm involved in. But no, you didn't do it. He started. And since he started, he's the one that gets to finish it. Amen? He who began a good work in you will finish it. He told Abraham this. He said, uh, he who has promised is faithful to complete. God doesn't make promises he can't keep, guys. He has spoken promises over you. He's given you a vision. Some of you in this room, you're just starting to get that vision of what that is. You're just now starting to see it. You're just now starting to give yourself to it. And I'm going to tell you right now, in this year, 2015, I myself, just personally, not even as pastor as a church, but just personally, I am giving myself to whatever it is that God has for me. And I'm asking you to ride that journey with me. That's why we're ministering these messages, because I can promise you right now, any vision God gives you in the natural seems like you can't get it done. But that's all right. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He called you, and then he says, by the way, everything you need, I've stuck it inside of you. You might be shy today, but I need you to be bold, and it's down in there. It's going to come up. If you give yourself, the Bible says that your gift will make room for you. Amen. So just give yourself to it. Hebrews chapter 12, one more, and then I want to get into a Bible story. We all like Bible stories. We're not too old for Bible stories, are we? Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also... Now, why is that in there? Remember, therefore, there's a reason it is therefore, right? That means it's referring to something. Well, some of you, uh, you know, you may know of Hebrews chapter 11 as the faith chapter. Some, some people call it the hall of faith. And we are uh, introduced to people like Moses and Abraham and Sarah, his wife. We're introduced to these different Bible characters, Bible stories from old of men that stood the test of faith. And now we have a whole chapter dedicated to them. By faith, by faith, by faith. And so now we don't have to just read this hall of faith and say, man, what awesome faith they had. Man, they did such a great job living for God. Man, that was so awesome that Abraham could do that. And he even took his son, his only son, and he sacrificed him just like God said. Man, that had to take some faith. Man, I wish one day I could be like that. And then Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, who some believe is Paul, goes right into chapter 12 and he says this. Therefore, we also, you and I too, are included in this. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us. Lay aside 
the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. We're talking about finishing strong. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. The what? Author and finisher. He started it. Now he will finish it. He will complete it. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've got a race to run, guys. We've got a race to run. We've got a vision in front of us, and it requires us to pursue it. You don't access your vision. You don't gain the vision. You don't see the vision come to pass in your life without a pursuit. It doesn't pursue you. You have to go after it. You've got to pursue the vision. And we've seen this in past weeks, that when you pursue the vision, there are things that will try to slow you down. There are weights and sins. We divided it. Not every weight is a sin, but every sin is a weight. But there are these weights and sins in our lives that will keep us from enduring, that will pull us aside, get us kicked off the path that allows us to access the vision for our lives. Let us run the race with endurance. I want to talk to you tonight about a man, a man in the Bible who I believe had possessed some of the greatest potential, some of the greatest potential that anybody has ever had on the face of this planet. Now, when I talk about potential, potential is is stored capacity, stored power. That means it's within you to do, but you may not achieve all of it. You may not see all of it. It's potential because it's not there. Once it becomes uh, evident, once people can see it, It's no longer stored anymore. It's no longer potential. It's producing. But potential is something you can't see. And we've got to talk about potential if we're going to talk about vision because the vision looks to you today like it's unattainable. But that's because it requires something in you that you haven't seen yet. The vision requires something in you that you haven't seen yet. And there's a man in the Bible, it starts in uh, Judges chapter 13, named Samson. Samson. Samson contained amazing potential. In fact, when we look at Judges chapter 13, Judges chapter 13, we look at his birth. And when does God know your plan? Is it when you're born? Is it when you get out of preschool and into kindergarten and we start to show some stuff, when we learn how to talk, when we learn how to walk, when we graduate high school, when we get a degree? we get a diploma, when we finally get our first job, when we buy our first house, is that when God knows what we're going to do? No, he knows what we're going to do before we're even born. In Judges chapter 13, starting with verse 1, says this, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them. Now, that might sound good. He delivered them. But he delivered them into... (laughs) the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Into the hand of their enemies 
And you may recall the Philistines were a group of people that was in the promised land that Joshua led the people into after wandering around for 40 years. They were supposed to be one of the nations they conquered. The Philistines were an enemy. The Philistines were a nation that God's people were supposed to wipe off of the face of the planet. But because they did evil in the sight of the Lord, the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren, thanks for reminding me, and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Look at when God is planning Samson's life. He's saying that even before you're here, there are things that could destroy your purpose. There are things. See, before you got in the earth, God was already setting you up for greatness. God was already getting you in, in a place where he could wrap you with his power, wrap you with his spirit. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Look at that. He says, and he shall begin to deliver. Now, obviously, we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. We know that Samson did not finish, did not complete. But what I want to talk to you today is about the weights and the sins. I want to talk to you about the things that destroy your vision. And I actually gave it to you last week. The number one hindrance to vision is sight. It's the weights and the sins. Weights and sins have to do with what I see. Because when I look with vision, there's no weight or sin that will hold me back. There's nothing that I will allow to slow me down. And so Samson right here, before he's even a thought, God has already planned out his life. He's already planned his entrance and his existence and says he will begin to deliver my people from these from this nation, this nation that is an abomination, this nation that glorifies and magnifies and worships other gods, this nation that does acts that I have commanded people not to do, and they laugh at me, this nation that has made me an abomination, this man will begin to deliver my people from the Philistines. Verse 6, so the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me. And his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God, very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from. And he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. 
for the child shall be a Nazarite to God. And he says this. He says, don't cut his hair. No razor shall cut. What is he doing? He's marking Samson. He's identifying him as being set apart. Being set apart for a work that he needs to accomplish. Now, here's the thing. Without vision, potential is wasted. Potential is wasted where there is no vision. Potential and vision go hand in hand. The potential is for the vision, and the vision will draw potential. But if you don't have vision for your life, you'll waste the potential that's in you. You'll waste the potential that's in you. That doesn't mean you're not anointed. That doesn't mean that God hasn't given you a gift. I I, I recall a movie. I don't remember the name of it, but I remember it was a a movie where these two men were... uh, owners or CEOs of cell phone companies, and they were competing against each other. And one of the guys had a, had a real smart guy on his team, had a guy that could sell, a guy that was tricky, a guy that could deceive people. And so he wanted to send him over to the other guy's company to find out what his next big thing is. See, the, all those companies, I mean, this is just even naturally speaking, all those companies ride on who's got the latest technology. Whoever has the latest technology is going to make the most money. So he said, I want you to, to go over there. I want you to mess around. I want you to find out what is going on. You, you're going to have to trick people. You're going to have to make them think you're working for them, but you're really working for me. You're going to have to figure these things out. You're going to have to know this. And so the guy had this gift, and he got on the other side and ended up working for the other guy, and he didn't even know it because he lost vision. He began to be moved by sight because the other guy now started paying him. He started paying him to go on these different runs. And what he didn't even realize was the other guy was using him to find out stuff from the guy that he was supposed to be working for in the first place. Why? Because he lost vision. And when you lose vision, your potential doesn't mean that you don't have the power, doesn't mean you don't have the gift, doesn't mean you still don't have the capabilities and the potential that's in you, but God has a potential inside of you that will cause you to achieve the vision for your life, but if we lose the vision, we lose the potential. And you'll even start using your gifts. Hollywood and musical artists are on stage using gifts that God gave them. And they're using it for their purpose and not God's purpose. Is that the truth? Do we see people taking the potential that God has given them, God has placed inside of them, and they're misusing it because they only have a vision for themselves and not for what God told them to do? Not for what God created them. Not for the thoughts that I think towards me. But we've got to learn how to use potential properly. Potential is wasted where there is no vision. And we see here that God had a great plan, a great purpose for Samson's life, but that couldn't keep Samson contained. And Samson quickly begins to be sight-driven instead of vision-minded. Samson was created. Samson was given the purpose of delivering God's people. It wasn't about Samson. 
But Samson quickly used his strength and used his feats that he accomplished in his life. He began to use those for his own. There was one time he went and he killed 30 guys to get some clothes. He began to murder people, not in the name of God, but in his own name. He began to use the potential inside of him. It began to be misguided, misled. And we know, you know, you, you've probably heard several stories of the things that Samson did. There was one time he killed 3,000 men with the jawbone of a donkey. There's a lot of guys to take out trained soldiers with weapons and shields spears but he was anointed by God God's spirit was upon him to do these things but Samson began to be misguided because he lacked vision for the sake of his sight and he began to live for what he saw guys when you live for what you see naturally you are living on a day to day basis And you do not see beyond what will satisfy me today. When we lose vision, guys, we begin to wander. Your eyes will wander. A lack of vision will cause you to wander. And Samson's eyes began to wander. Samson was set apart. Samson had hair that wasn't supposed to be cut. He wasn't supposed to be drinking. He wasn't supposed to be partaking in things. He was set apart for a specific use. He was set apart for a purpose and a vision that God had given him. But he lost sight of the vision. And he gained sight of what he could have today. And he found himself with women he should have never been with. He found himself doing things he should have never done. Weights and sins. Weights and sins. And when you lose vision, you no longer live for tomorrow, but you only look to gratify the flesh today. And that's what Samson did. He lived day to day. What will make me feel good today? What will I enjoy doing today? And guys, when we gratify the flesh today, we do it at the expense of tomorrow. When you have vision, you will turn things down today knowing that something greater lies ahead tomorrow. When you have vision in your business, you will turn down things that sound good today, but you know that down the road. When you you have vision, you'll not do things in your marriage because you know it's going to hurt me tomorrow. I may feel, it might help me out today, it might make me feel good today, but I know that down the road it's not going to build my marriage. It's not going to build my family. It's not going to build my children. You will make decisions that are based on tomorrow, not today. The world that we live in is moved by what can I have today? What can I buy today? What can I do that will make me feel good today? And they don't think about tomorrow. If it feels good, do it. Right? Isn't that what the world says? It's your life. Live it. This world does not live for tomorrow. They are taking one day at a time. But God did not create you and I to live for today. See, that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. They looked at what can satisfy me today at the expense of losing the vision that God has given me for tomorrow. 
and Eve got caught. The pride of life. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Those things only satisfy today. Guys, weights and sins. Weights and sins. Hebrews chapter 12. The weights and the sins only satisfy today. The potential will help you tomorrow. So we've got to keep this vision. We've got to keep this vision about our lives. Go over to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Samson gets caught up with a specific woman. Her name is Delilah. And guys, we've all got Delilahs in our lives. We've all got Delilahs in our lives. We all have something. It may not be a literal Delilah, obviously, but we all have things in our lives that try to draw our attention off of the vision. And Samson found himself hanging out with the very thing he was supposed to be changing. Samson found himself becoming like the very thing he was set apart to be different from. He found himself doing things that the group that he was supposed to be attacking was doing. Guys, when we're not careful, we'll take, we'll, we'll get into, into businesses, we'll get into jobs, we'll get into relationships, and we'll find ourselves becoming rather than changing. The whole book of Judges is about God's people becoming the very thing they're supposed to be changing. Guys, we have to ask ourselves this. In our marriages, in our jobs, in our workplace, are we just becoming like everything around us? Or are we remaining salt and light? Are we remaining the godly influence for the kingdom of God that we're supposed to be? Because when you are, it'll change stuff. Light always changes darkness. Light always changes darkness. The darkness will never override the light. The darkness will never get so dark. Man, it's just so dark. My, my light's going out. No, it's because we're not keeping it up. If, if the darkness is getting brighter, it's because our light is becoming dimmer. So we've got to ask ourselves, are we becoming the very thing that we're changing? We're supposed to be changing? And this is what happens. Because Samson loses sight of his vision... He gains sight of what he can see naturally, and all he sees is this beautiful woman that's a Philistine. And he doesn't see the trickery. You know the story. She tricks him. She tries to trick him three times. I mean, how many red flags do you need? How dumb are you that you can't figure out that she's asking you what is the thing that will take away your strength? And then you tell her something, and even though it's not true, you wake up from a nap. Maybe we should quit falling asleep. You wake up from a nap, she's the only one in the room doing exactly what you just told her. Why are we not figuring this out? Because when you lose vision, you use the ability to stay alive. You use the ability to continue to endure. You, use, you lose the ability to, and to keep on in the very thing that God has placed you here for. He didn't see the trickery. Why? Because he was blind to vision because his eyes were open. 
He's moved by his natural eyes. What will satisfy me today? What will gratify me today? He doesn't want to. He doesn't want Delilah to leave. He doesn't. He, he wants this Delilah in his life. He wants this weight. He wants this sin. And when you lose vision, you want to hang on to weights and sins. Those are the only things that can make you feel good. Vision will make you feel great, but if you don't have vision, you will hold on, you will hold on to weights and sins. You won't let go of those things that are holding you back. And this is what happens to Samson in verse 15, Judges chapter 16, verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she presented him daily, pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. What would have been the answer? Get out. Get away. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't get away from the thing that is trying to take your potential, it will bother you until you do. If you don't put it to death, it will put you to death. Your inability to have vision and your, this, this lack of being able to see what God has for you It will rob you of all your potential. It will rob you of the very thing that God has given you to fulfill the vision in your life. And so he says this, verse 17. He told her with all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak. And be like any other man. Isn't it interesting that Samson could just give away the vision to his life that easily? Why? Because he's so entrenched with his sight. He is so entrenched with gratifying the flesh today that he lets go of tomorrow. There's another man named Jacob that did this. Or I'm sorry, Esau. Esau comes home and he's starving. And Jacob, the tricker, the deceiver, he says, well, I'll make you some food, but you've got to give me your birthright. And Esau gives up his vision to satisfy himself today. Guys, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. There are things that will press you. There are things that will do just like a Delilah. They will pester you. They will vex your soul. And if you hang around them long enough, you will give up the very thing that God has given you to accomplish and achieve the purpose he has for your life. He gives it up. And we know as it goes on, Delilah, she doesn't care about Samson. She cares about the money. She sold him out. The Philistines come in. His hair's gone. He can't fight back, and they take him. And what do they do? Verse 21, Judges 16, 21, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Look at verse 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Guys, even though this is a sad story, you know, we, when we tell this story to our kids, we don't talk about how Samson's a failure. 
right? We don't talk about how he wasn't really a man. Somebody that was so strong had no manliness about him at all. He gave in like that. Gave up everything that God had given him for a moment of self-gratification. But God knows how to restore. God knows how to get back to you the thing you lost. God knows how to get back the thing that you gave up. God is a restorer, guys. There is no past that is too difficult for God to overcome. There is nothing you've given up that God can't get back to you. And he says that his hair began to grow back. But in that previous verse, in verse 21, it said that they did what? They put out his eyes. They put out his eyes. He lost the ability to see naturally. And this is where Samson goes from being sight-driven to vision-minded. You know, sometimes our five senses are the very thing that keep us stuck. And, you know, I don't know if this is true. I know that there was a movie of some superhero. I don't know his name. I have people in here that could probably give me a superhero's name of a guy that was blind, but he increased in his ability to hear, I think it was. What? Daredevil. Daredevil was blind, but then his hearing was heightened. And guys, when we learn to cut stuff off, we will grow in our ability. We will develop in our ability to move the way God has called us to. Going here in closing, verse 23, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. This Samson was not just an easy capture. To gain Samson was to gain a guy that had caused torture upon these Philistines. And it happened when their hearts were merry that they all, that they said, come, uh, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. So he even gained the reputation with the Philistines that I'm a performer. This is all about me. This is a show. The strength that I have, I want you to look at me. It wasn't about God. It wasn't about delivering the Israelites. It was about me. Look at me. And so now they call him up here to perform. And Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. 
The temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Guys, Samson lost the ability to see, but he gained the ability to have vision. It was in the moment where he lost his sight that he gained his vision. It was in the moment that Samson lost his ability to see naturally, be moved by things naturally, want to grab onto things naturally, where he then began to get the vision for why God created him in the first place. And he said, this is my enemy. I am here to destroy these people, not make love to these people, not be intimate with these people, not hang out with these people, not become like these people, but to destroy them. That's why God placed me in the earth. And when he finally got rid of the ability to see naturally, he could see spiritually. He could see the vision that God has for him. We must lose our sight to gain our vision. We must lose our sight to gain our vision. The writer of Hebrews said it this way. Lay aside all weights and sins that so easily, easily ensnare us. Guys, it's, they're not even working at stopping us. We're stopping ourselves. We can't blame the devil. We can't say this is all his fault. There are things that we have allowed in our lives. Our sight has driven us and it has kept us from achieving the purpose. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, just tonight I want want you to take a moment and just think, what are those sight things in my life? Just take a moment to reflect. Ask God to reveal them to you. Sometimes we don't think that they are weights. But he thinks they're a weight. What is that thing that is keeping me from achieving the purpose? What is it that I have my eyes set on that's keeping me from having vision for my life? What is that thing that is holding me back from achieving the purpose and the plan? that God has for me. I've been doing this myself, guys. Even as a pastor, I've got to do this. I've got to look at my life and say, what are the weights? If there's sins, we repent. 1 John 1, 9 is clear. He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's easy. Sometimes I think the sins are easier to get rid of than the weights. Because we have to identify the weight as a problem. We have to identify the weight as something that's holding us back. The sins are clear cut. The sin is black and white. It's a sin. It's, it's not in accordance with God's word. But that weight, you know, sometimes we look at other people's lives and say, but they do it. But you're not running their race and they're not running your race. We've got to run the race that God has called us to. And if there are weights in our lives, we've got to let those go. We've got to let them go. We've got to let them go. Father, I thank you tonight that I'm in a room in the midst of people that want to be vision-minded, not sight-driven. And Father, I thank you for, the, for their heart, that they desire 
to see change. They desire to see growth in their life. They desire 2015 to be better, to be different than 2014. Now, whatever you speak to us, whatever you show us, we will cut it off, let it go. We will lay aside every weight. We will lay aside every sin that so easily ensnares us, so easily trips us up so that we can achieve the vision and the purpose you have for us. Father, we're in honor tonight. We're honored that you have chosen us before the foundations of the world, that you have formed us You have formed our plan before you even formed us. You already have given us thoughts and potential before we ever had to prove anything to you. And Father, the greatest way that we can live that out, the greatest way we can see that vision come to pass in our lives is by laying aside the things that move us with our sight so that we can gain our vision. Father, we thank you for this tonight. I thank you that you continue to reveal those things to us so we can continue to grow, continue to change and be molded into that which you've called us to be. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.